Okay, I think we are live. I always like to give it a few seconds just in case um, just in case it begins midway through me talking and I don't want to do that. It's happened to me before. Um, okay, yes, I believe we're live. Screw it, we'll start. Uh, so hello and welcome to um, episode two of season two of Nobody Puts Podcast in a Corner. Um, this episode is simply titled, and I say simply in the best of ways, Alan Rickman, uh, where we will be discussing the life and career of one of the greatest British actors of all time. Um so before we get started, I will do my usual spiel of, um, you know, if you are watching live with us this evening, we hope you enjoy today's episode. Um, you can follow us on uh, many of the social media channels that I have now uh, attacked, um, which is very alien to me, but I've done it nonetheless, um, on, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, uh just just you know please follow please show your love please uh support and go from there um obviously i am your uh your host i forgot what i was about to say then um i am your host i don't know who i am but i'm your host i, I am ross uh and joining me today is Corey. hello Corey. hello thank you for joining today um uh, so yes, um, obviously today we're going to be uh, talking about the wonderful Alan Rickman. Um, before that, though, um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that, as you can see on that little bar uh, down there, we are now, I now am offering the chance for people to sponsor an episode. Um, I'm very proud to say that our first episode of season two has currently had over 325 watches, which I am really, really ecstatic about. Um, I don't think anyone's really listening to the actual physical podcast anymore, but you know what? It's fine. It's still there uh, on Spotify. Um, but yes, 325 views thus far. I'm very happy about that. And as a result, feel like this could be a good place to be supporting local businesses uh, who want to do a little bit of promotion in these very challenging times. So if you're interested, if you are a local business and you want to do a little bit of advertising, please drop me a message and you can sponsor an episode. Um, I can even stick your logo there. See, see, see what I just did there. That could be where your logo could go for the entire episode. <laughs> um, but yes. Uh, anyway, so um, with all that in mind, um, please, as I say, please follow us on everything physically possible. Um, and please, um, please just yeah, show your love. So before we get started, Corey, um, hey. I, I thought that I would share an interesting story that occurred earlier on. Um, I uh, I was I commented on an article on on Facebook um, to do with Christopher Nolan and the fact that he, um, he uh, the article was something along the lines of yeah, it might, it may cool. not. Yeah, may not be working with Warner Brothers much anymore. Um, obviously, Warner Brothers have, have done a lot of his uh, films previously. Um, and I simply commented, and this just goes to show how how people must be so bored at home at the minute, willing to jump on things at the, the drop of a hat. I commented saying that, um, that ultimately, since inception, I feel like Christopher Nolan's films haven't been quite up to scratch. However, the problem is, is that I used the word they've gone downhill 
And I don't mean downhill in the sense of they're bad. You know, I don't think Dunkirk was bad. I don't think Tenet was bad. I just, I did think Interstellar was quite bad. But, you know, I've got my reasons for that. Um, my God, the amount of abuse I got. The amount of abuse I got. People saying, so hang on, you think Tenet is good, but you don't think Interstellar is good. And I'm like, yes, what of it? Um, and they said, oh, well, how, how does that make, you know, how does that make sense? You know, you're talking about two nonsensical films. And I said, well, no, I said a film can be nonsensical and still enjoyable. Um, and that wasn't good enough, apparently. And apparently that meant that I got lauded with a load of abuse. Uh, so um yeah how dare i have an opinion basically um and i just thought you know what the one of the beautiful things about watching films and discussing films and one of the reasons why i do this podcast is how subjective it all is and how it's just nice to share opinions and even if i say i like one film and you don't like it that's fine but don't be a bastard about it there's no need for that um anyway that's just my little film rant of the week um the other thing is, obviously, you know, to those of you watching us live, please feel free to comment and ask any questions throughout. We will obviously be talking about the many films of Alan Rickman today. Your comments will be appreciated throughout. And of course, uh, we will highlight certain comments uh, throughout the whole thing. If you have any questions to do with uh, Alan Rickman or the films, um, you know, throughout this, this podcast, then please do ask and we will endeavour to answer as many as possible. Um, but yes, as Ithil has just commented, if everyone liked the same thing, the world would be very boring. I completely agree. However, it doesn't mean to say that people have to be arseholes about it, but that's just my opinion. Um, so yes, um, accompanying me tonight on this podcast is a very nice bottle of white wine which is <laughs> not so uh full anymore but it's fine um and yes so shall we talk alan rickman Corey? yes we shall we shall we shall we shall okay so um Corey, obviously you are you asked to be involved in the episode yes. which i'm very grateful for mm. um you know talk to me about generally maybe mm. not so specific about his films just yet but generally why what is it about alan rickman that that you know you love i think it's just because of his voice the thing about alan rickman that i love to pitch about him is his voice he's so iconic if you hear the voice you go you know who that is you know that's alan rickman and most of his films you hear the voice you know it's him and he always acts in a really in each film of his he acts in a different way if it's a voiceover, even if it's in a live action, he always does it differently to his other films that he's done previously. That's what I love. Yeah, no, I'd agree with you there. There are so many actors. Um, I always use them as a as an example, and it's not um, you know, it's not me knocking this particular actor, uh, but Tom Hanks, I feel like, mm. is Tom Hanks in every film he's in. He's mm. a great actor. Uh, the only film I, I've always said is a bit different to that, in my personal opinion, is Forrest Gump. When I think of a film with Tom Hanks, even Toy Story when it's just his voice. I think of Tom Hanks, not necessarily the character. Um, yeah. Whereas when it's Alan Rickman, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I feel like you don't necessarily think of the actor. Initially, you think of the character because he embodies yeah. every character so uniquely. Um, yeah. And that's one of the wonderful things about him. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I would have to echo exactly what you said there. He has got the most wonderful, wonderful of voices to listen yeah. to. Um I think, you know, I think ultimately, you know, addressing the elephant in the room, I guess, is that one of the most tragic things about him is that he's not with us anymore. 
um, and you know that we will never get to see any more films with him in, and that is truly, I think, you know, from from his from his craft, you know, the the most tragic element of of his story. Um, however, you know, it doesn't mean to say that he didn't bless us with a many many vast amount of wonderful films first, which obviously we are going to discuss. Um, so I am going to start because this is the first podcast. I mean, this is this is the first podcast I've done where we uh, focus specifically on an actor. Um, we've done a franchise. We've done obviously the Harry Potter franchise, and we've done the Star Wars franchise as an episode. Um, but what we have not done as of yet is uh, focus on a specific actor. So I think it's only right that I give a little bit of information that I'm ripping directly off Wikipedia uh, <laughs> to you all about Alan Rickman. So he was born. Alan Sidney Patrick Rickman uh, in 1946. Um, he studied at Chelsea College of Art and Design and then, of course, RADA. Um, he is not just an actor. He is a director as well. He has directed two films, uh, one of which I have seen uh, only 15 minutes ago. Um, and uh, we will discuss that soon. Uh, he mainly started off in theatre, specifically uh, playing Tibble in BBC's uh, Shakespeare collection in uh, Romeo and Juliet. Um, and he did a lot of theatre uh, in his early part of his career and some small TV roles. Uh, however, his first, and I don't think a lot of people know this about Adam Rickman, his first major role, his first film role, end of, his first ever role in a film was Die Hard. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, and I think I talked to a lot of people, oh yeah, Alan Rickman in Die Hard, he was fantastic. But not many people know that was his first ever film. Um, so yes, Hans Gruber in Die Hard uh, was, was you know, and, and what a way to, to, to kick off your, your film career with such an iconic character. Um, so Die Hard, I believe you watched this quite recently, didn't you, Corey? Yeah, I already watched it yesterday. I know a lot of people will probably be quite at me because I've never actually watched it. But I'm not a massive fan of... Like, Bruce, I like Bruce Willis as an actor. I do. He's great. But I'm not a massive fan of Die Hard. But I sat there when... No, but he set a standard. He set a standard. Yeah, he, he, he introduced us to, um, you know, he uh, gave us a taste of what... Um, this is Alan Rickman and this is what we should yeah. expect, you know, uh, and didn't we just, you know, finish it wanting so much more. Um, so yeah, Alan Rickman, you know, uh, we will, we'll touch on some of his television and, and theater bits uh, a bit later on, but we will go straight into Die Hard. So mm. yes, uh, first, you know, first film role in Die Hard playing Hans Gruber opposite Bruce Willis. Um, he has been voted um, the 46th, best villain in all of history in that role um which i think is quite interesting mm. um so he one interesting bit of uh, trivia here um that i think i got off let me just check yes i got it off the wikipedia page uh that he almost didn't take the role he almost didn't take it um, because he didn't think Die Hard was the kind of film he wanted to make. Um, but he went for it nonetheless. And aren't we glad he did? Um, and I know this is something that you were going to mention as well, Corey. But the yeah. bit of trivia for the film yes. is, the, is the shot, isn't it? When he, yes. when he's, yeah, when, uh, well, obviously, you know, spoilers, as I have just clocked that uh, 
here if you still not watched it. So I apologize. But, you know, it came out in 1988. I think we can talk about it openly. When his character falls from Nakatami Plaza, um, he... Ah, <laughs> oh, there we go. Ithil's just said she doesn't care about the spoilers. Well, that's good. I'm glad you don't care about the spoilers because <laughs> we're about to ruin it anyway. Um, so when he falls, um, he was told that he was only going to drop, I think, a foot or two, wasn't Somebody it? It was, like, it was going to be like, you're right, it's all right, don't worry. You're just going to fall and you go straight on. But the, what they didn't tell him was that actually the, the, the drop was more like... I don't know, 30 feet or something like that, 15 to 30 feet. And so that when he falls and there's that initial like, oh, no, I'm falling. And then you see the pure fear kick in. It's because it was a longer drop than he expected to have. Um, and so it was one of those, it was a bit like the uh, Jurassic Park thing where the kids didn't know yes. that the T-Rex was going to burst through the roof of the Jeep. Uh, and that, that fear on their faces was genuine. Mm. Um, and it's the same with Alien as well. The cast didn't know that the uh, creature was going to burst out of John Hurt's chest. Um, mm. So they, you know, a good technique to get a, a legitimate reaction. Um, mm. So um, it, it was it was something like that. Oh, was it? Oh, hang on. Um, Meeple has just said the other side to that part, I think, is that they actually dropped him earlier than planned. Ah, yes, that would also make sense. Uh, no, I believe I have read that before, Meeple, so I think you are right. Thank you. Um, either way, the drop didn't go the way, uh, mm. you know, the way it had planned, or he expected, sorry, and um, and that's why we got the great reaction. Um, so, yes, um, Die Hard, there we go. Um, Life with James, this is all very insightful, enjoying this a lot. You're welcome, James. You know, hope you continue <laughs> finding it insightful. Um, now... Let's move on. Um, we're going to talk next about, uh, you know, he's done a lot of films, but we can only talk about so many. So we're going to really tackle his most iconic roles. Um, I know some people might give me crap for that. And if I, if we obviously don't discuss a particular role that you wish we had, please mention it before this podcast finishes. Um, you know, we will get to a point where we, we, we finish talking about his films. And if we haven't mentioned one that you have uh, not heard, then please call us out for it. And we will <laughs> do our best to discuss it if we've seen it. Um, so his next film is actually my favorite role of his. Um, I, I, I love him in a lot of his films. In fact, all of his films. He's never done a film that I've actually watched and gone, I don't like him in this. However, he has done one that I absolutely adore. And if I was ever going to play a villain in a film, I'd want to play it like how he played it. Uh, and that is of the Sheriff of Nottingham mm -hmm. in, um, in Robin yes. Hood, the Prince of Thieves. Um, and I actually re-watched this recently. Um, I, I re-watched uh, about two, three weeks ago. And I watched a different version of it to the one that I had seen years ago. So when they released it on Blu-ray, they actually released it as a director's cut. And they restored um, uh, about 15 minutes worth of Alan Rickman that had been previously cut out. Because Kevin Costner, being the diva that he is, um, <laughs> when, when the film came out in 91, when it was in its pre-production stage um kevin costner was conscious that alan rickman was stealing the show and so he said this isn't good you need to cut more of alan rickman out because i'm kevin costner and i'm robin hood and the film is about me so you need to give me more screen time so they cut a lot of alan rickman's stuff out and uh 
it was a travesty ultimately. Um, and in 2011 or 2013, I think they went, Do you know what? This isn't good enough. We need to show the world some more of the wonderful role he uh, gave. And they released the Blu ray version. So, to anyone listening, watching, if you um, want to see a version of this film that you potentially have never seen, try and get the director's cut on DVD or Blu ray. Um, and you will watch and you will see many scenes that were not in the original. And I think 90% of them are all Alan Rickman. And it really does show off more, more fun and more range, I think, he had with the role. Um, but I'll talk more about that in a minute. Corey, why do you, have you seen this film? Do you like this film? Talk to me about this film. Well, I agree with you straight away. Uh, the Sheriff of Nottingham is my favourite villain just for, that he plays. He's just yeah. so good. He's menacing. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves has got to be one of the best 90s films out there. It's oh, just, yeah, I agree with you there. It's just a beautiful film. Kevin Costner, great in it. Good Robin Hood. But just to highlight the whole film is just the evilness and the menacingness of Alan Rickman's Sheriff of Nottingham. And oh, I just, I... The, the fact that it's that fight scene at the end. The fight scene at the yeah. end, he just, and he, he, he looks at the scar and goes, Hmm. It was just that, just that scene. It makes me, oh, I, I love it. It's very, um, it's very, it's very early nineties. Very cheesy, very hammy, mm. but it works, and that's one of the brilliant things about it. Um, so yes, they cut Alan scenes. Those bastards, indeed. Mm. Um, what else? So I'm just looking at some of the comments. Emma, hey Emma, uh, I have that version. Love it. Literally my favorite Sunday film. Great, mm. great. Great comment there. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's one of those things where I I actually read the one of the conditions that he had going taking on this role. Again, it was a bit like Die Hard. He wasn't really a hundred percent on taking it on, but he kind of said, "Look, I'll do it, but I want to really be able to go to town with it." And the director said, "Yeah, sure. Ultimately, you know, it's your role. You do whatever you want with it." And he did. You know, so everything you see. Um, everything you see in, in you know, you, you see a lot of films and you see a lot of actors and you kind of sit there and go, oh, that's wonderful. What they've done is really good. And a lot of it is the actor and a lot of it's the, the direction of the, you know, obviously the director. Then you see some roles where you watch a very good actor give not a very good performance and you kind of go, really? I thought I was expecting more. And it's because the director hasn't allowed them to. And then you get an example like this where the director says to Alan Rickman, you know what? over to you do whatever you want and you know just just an astounding villain role it was fun mm. it was one of those cheesy 90s films where you know you kind of it had a serious element to it it wasn't really what i would consider the best of robin hood films but it kind of is because of him it's up there it's up there. It definitely is. And I'm just clocking in on Flying Fish's comment. Um, the first Robin Hood story I saw was a Disney, and now I'm disappointed by the lack of Fox in other versions. <laughs> well, I don't know what to say to yeah, that. Uh, you, you, no Foxes in the uh, Alan Rickman version, but there is Alan Rickman in the Alan Rickman version. So, <laughs> you know, hopefully... I, it's, it, I think it probably maybe be third on the list for Prince of Thieves for Robin Hood films. I think second would be the recent Robin Hood film, because that film is incredible. Yeah, I really underestimated that film. And the first one, just because of that, this, I've never seen Rob fully Robin Hood many times. Never oh seen my it God, it's so funny. Uh, it's uh, just the line where he says about, I lost? I shouldn't lose. 
Let me check the scripts. That line <laughs> makes me laugh every time. That's a classic Mel Brooks film. Um, yeah, no, I agree with you there. Men in Tights is fantastic. Funny enough, my actual, my, my favourite version is the Taron Edgerton one. Um, oh, yeah. uh, many people would disagree with me on that. Uh, however, Flying Fish uh, does enjoys it. Um, I I love it because it was different. Uh, yeah. It was cheesy, you know. It was cheesy. It wasn't the greatest made film in the world, and it, it it didn't do necessarily things the way you'd expect. But my God, when you've done Robin Hood, you know, film wise to death a million times, mm -hmm. it was refreshing to see a different take on it, and it had yeah. a great cast in it as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I actually really enjoyed that film, but still Sheriff of Nottingham was good in it, but it's still not Alan Rickman, still not Alan Rickman. So, um, yeah. Um, if you haven't seen, uh, Alan Rickman in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, I highly, highly recommend it. Um, so anyway, um, Oh, what's this? Uh, Life of James. I do like the Disney version with them as animals, but I remember reading it wasn't very well liked. I also read something similar, James. It wasn't uh, at the time and in the years after, people didn't really value it. Um, however, I did recently watch it and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, uh, it was it was it had a slightly more adult humor to it that I may not have appreciated when I was a kid. Maybe that's why it wasn't um, massively popular when it came out. But that's Disney films full stop, isn't it? Uh, full of filth that we don't recognise when we're kids. Uh, okay, so we spoke about Robin Hood. Let's talk about Dogma next. Uh, Do Dogma, I think, is probably going to be one of the films on this list that the least amount of people have seen. Now, I have seen it, but it was a long time ago, so I don't remember an awful lot about it. Um, so I believe you have seen it very recently, haven't you? <laughs> I, yeah, I finished watching this film about 20 minutes ago, just before oh, we well, so Literally, both before we came onto this podcast, we were both like getting through Alan Rickman films as quickly as possible. Um, so, okay, talk to me about Dogma. Um, you know, who is he? What does he do? I obviously so, know some of the answers to these questions, but our audience yeah. may not. So, um, in Dogma, Alan Rickman plays a guy called Metatron, who is the scribe of God, and he is... To put it in words that I, I, I've said before, I've watched it, and I, la I laughed anything he did. He was so funny. And what I loved about him, he was like, he was like a comedic snake. He, yeah. it was, every time he said something, you knew that it was going to be quite funny, but it was quite serious as well, but it was more, more on the funny side. And yeah. I don't know how many times I must have laughed throughout the film. First ever Kevin Smith film to sit and watch, and I don't know, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I'll uh, I will rewatch it. I will rewatch it. I think I need to refamiliarize myself with it. Um, so, um, but yeah, no, I from what I, it's got Matt Damon in it as well. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, isn't it? Ben Affleck, um, Matt Damon. It's also quite a few famous people, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, I'll um, I will rewatch it. But yeah, I do remember it being funny, but I don't remember much of why. But I, as I say, I must have seen it a good ten, maybe fifteen years ago now. Um, so. Okay, cool, wonderful. Um, let's move on. Let's move on to Harry Potter. Yeah. Because I think chronologically, in terms of the list that I'm working from today, chronologically, mm -hmm. we're around the same time where the philosophers or sorcerers, to any American listeners, uh, came out. So, yes. Harry Potter. Yes, Harry Potter. Severus Snape. I mean, let, let's, right, let's try and address this from the point of view of the films <laughs> not the not what happens you know we'll we'll get to the deathly hallows and we'll get you know mm -hmm. to all of that um 
Apparently, J.K. Rowling wrote, when she wrote Philosopher's Stone, she wrote it with Alan Rickman in mind of the role, um, yeah. which I think is a is a compliment, oh, yeah. um, I, I think. Um, <laughs> and I don't remember the story. I think maybe he was one of the ones that she based on a teacher. I'm sure any Harry Potter fans yeah. watching can correct me on that. Um, but yes, I know that she definitely wrote it with him in mind. So when she told him this, he obviously accepted. Um Severus Snape. Talk to me about Severus Snape. Um, I like his character. I really do. I think, I know we said about, you're going to talk about Deathly Hallows about a lot more, but what I think I love about him, he has a redemption arc. And that's yeah. what I love about him. He yeah, has a redemption I... arc throughout the story. You think he's one of these these guys that can be quite bad, but then if you want, it's weird because... <laughs> There you go. Um, so, if, sorry, Ithil has just said, "Yep, Snape was based on her chemistry teacher," and I, you know what, that rings the bell. So yeah. I'm going to go with that. So, um, uh, what's this? Danny has just added. Hi, Danny. Danny, obviously being guest from first uh, week one, last week's episode. Welcome back. Um, Alan Rickman uh, was the only person to know from the beginning what was going to happen to the character. Well, I like that because that helps you play. That I imagine, uh, you know, from an acting point of view, that would help give you know. If you can know your entire arc and your entire story and to reflect what you were saying, Corey, the redemption, mm. it would certainly help the way you played the role and how you interacted with the other characters throughout the story. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, sorry, you were saying. No, no. Um, yeah, I just think everybody, th when you watch him from Philosopher's Stone or Sorcerers, if any Americans out there watching yeah. this, um, you look at him, you think, oh, he's a bad guy. He's going to be one of these bad guys that you're not going to like. Yeah. But when you get to Deathly Hallows and... Honestly, I've I think I've sat and watched the end of Deathly Hallows Part Two and worked myself back. You notice how much he cared about Harry. Yeah, you know, and I don't have to agree. When when you go back and you watch it from a different perspective, you kind of I mean, it was kind of revealed in Philosopher's Stone when obviously we found out that he was instead of trying to curse Harry on the broomstick in the Quidditch match, he was actually trying to save him. Like, why would he do that if he really hated him? So, yeah. you know, it was there from day one. Um, hi, Megan. Love Rickman as Snape. Can't see anyone else. Absolutely agree with you there. Right. Um, you know, he just... Uh, yep, Flying Fish. He played the whole hate, love, everything so bloody well. You can tell he cares. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, you could tell he cared. Um, he cared. I don't think he liked Harry an awful much, uh, an awful lot. But I think he cared about him because of his love for Lily. Yeah, obviously we we discovered the full story of that in Deathly Hallows, and I, it was sweet, you know. And I have to say, my hat off to him. That scene where we see the flashback where he goes in and he's he's cradling Lily, and Harry's obviously in the crib, and it's sad, yeah. and everyone's crying in the cinema because they're like, <laughs> oh "My God, this is breaking my heart." Fair play to Adam Rickman. Yeah, he absolutely nailed that scene. You felt. So many things, so many components will make a good scene in a film. The the music, the the the, the angles, mm. the you know uh, the lighting, the script, whatever. But ultimately, it comes down to the actor. You know, yeah. the actor can't pull off the scene. No matter how emotional the music is, mm. you are not going to be invested in it. And I have to say, the way Alan Rickman um, pulled off that scene was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, uh okay uh megan's just said half blood prince potions class so much love for that scene um i don't remember that thing i can't remember it either 
I haven't watched. That's the thing. I haven't watched Half Blood Prince in ages. I never liked that one. To be fair, no. I think I need to rewatch it. But yes, um, I think my favourite scene is probably for, for him. Like you yeah. said, it's the Death Yellow scene. It's, that scene is fantastic. I think my favourite is actually Chamber of Secrets scene when they're doing the dueling, and he's like, "Oh my god, uh, Kenneth Branagh!" Yeah, yeah. And then he's trying, and he says about Malfoy getting Malfoy versus Harry, and I thought I was just that whole scene was just funny, and it was just really a really cool little scene. Ah, that's all right. Megan's just corrected. Wrong film. Philosopher's Stone class. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, yes. No. I you know. I know what you're talking about now. And yes. Um, I love it in uh, Goblet of Fire. Uh, oh, here we go. Flying Fish has just literally said what I was about to say. The great yes. whole scene. Harry and Romney backhands around the head. Yeah. You know, it was brilliant. If people have watched the um, special features of that scene, you can see after that happens, Alan Rickman and Daniel Radcliffe laughing together. And it's yeah. Yeah. And same as the end of Deathly Hallows, because if you watch them, they're both hugging. And it's just mm, so... Yeah, don't. Um, <laughs> I have to say, although Prisoner of Azkaban isn't one of my, you know, isn't up there on my list of favourite Harry Potter films, I do feel like it was one of the ones where we got more out of Snape. Yeah. He wasn't in it as much, I felt, but um, I felt like, especially towards the end when he protected them all outside the Whomping mm. Willow, you really saw his care kick in at that point. Yeah. Um, and yeah, really, you know, just... just uh, just great he's you know i think i think the thing is his legacy will always be snape oh yeah his legacy will always be snape mm. um but you know he he absolutely nailed it and you know yeah that's that's that he he absolutely um when i was at school uh there was a teacher a math teacher at Bretton woods um where i spent year seven to year 11 his name was mr blackman he was a math teacher and yeah, yeah, yeah for, all, for all, oh, did, really? Oh, yeah, I had oh, really? really? Oh, right, okay. Um, and uh, he, he, he was our Snape. He was like, he was. A, he spoke a bit like him. He had that kind of voice. Yeah. He kind of speaks <laughs> like this. And uh, and he had jet black hair. Yeah. And uh, and I'm yeah. You know what? I saw I saw him as a bit of the Death Eater, to be honest. So yeah, <laughs> I think every school has their Snape. You know, yeah. but it, but it's the Snape you see as Alan Rickman. You know, yeah. so um, okay. I have no doubt we'll be back on Harry Potter at some point oh, yeah. in this podcast. But for now, let's move on to Sweeney Todd. I'm out of this one. Have you not seen it? I'm I haven't seen it. I think it's because it's more of the um, horror kind of. I know it's a movie, yeah. but I'm not a massive like that kind of thing. No, that's fair. It's not not your cup of tea. That's fair. Okay, so Sweeney Todd, um, Sweeney Todd. I don't know. Like, I don't know what to say about it. Sweeney Todd's great, but do you know what? I'll be honest. It's not a film that I immediately think of for having Alan, Alan Rickman in it. In fact, I kind of forget he's in it. Not because he's not good in it; he's fantastic in it. But it's just because there's so much else going on in the film, like yeah. Johnny Depp, Helena Bonham Carter, Sasha Baron Cohen. For me, is one of the highlights of the film. Uh, Alan Rickman is fantastic in it. Um, the songs are very catchy. Um, but yeah, I'm looking at the comments here. Um, you know, Meeple Bops didn't know he was in it. Um, it. It's one of those films where he. He is great in it, but unfortunately, in Alan Rickman verse, 
overshadowed by many other uh, actors, many of which are uh, from Harry Potter. So yes. we've obviously got um, Timothy Spall in it. Uh, mm. He plays, funnily enough, he plays his uh, his like assistant sidekick, um, and Helena Bonham Carter. Um, so a lot, lot of the Death Eaters from from the Harry Potter verse are in Sweeney Todd. Um, I'm sure that was just a coincidence. Uh, but yes, I, I, I think it's a good film, but it's definitely, mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, he also he also was a oh yes again. Uh, as if Phil has just said, yeah, he was a major creep with the girl who lived in the house. Yes, he was. He played. He played a role that you didn't want to like, you know. Like he plays villains like Hans Gruber and Sheriff of Nottingham and Snape, even where you kind of go, they're clearly the bad guy, but ultimately we love that kind of bad guy. Mm, he yeah. wasn't that kind of bad guy in Sweeney Todd. He was a creepy bad guy, but he does sing in it, um, <laughs> which was which was fun, you know. He does sing. He sings the song uh, "Pretty Woman," um, as as Andrew has just said, between himself and Johnny Depp. Um, and as Danny said, yeah, he was great in Sweeney Todd, but he is overshadowed. So, uh, yeah, um, good, good film. Uh, he was good in it, but it was definitely more of a supporting role. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, okay. Now here is a film that I think is massively, uh, underrated, uh, Galaxy Quest. Yes. Galaxy Quest. What a film. What a um, film. You know, ultimately, uh, I I don't know much about the trivia for this film. No, One no, thing I know is that Alan Rickman absolutely loved. Um loved this role and yeah. he, he it was actually one of his his character i can't remember his character's name in it yeah. but his character uh obviously uh for those that haven't seen galaxy quest it's ultimately about a cast of a uh sci-fi star trek ish kind of uh tv show and they're attending comic cons in the later part of their career and alan rickman's the one that hated it the most but yet he's always wearing the bloody makeup and alien yep. headgear. Yep. And apparently it was Alan Rickman's idea to continue doing that because he felt yeah. like, you know, it did the character some form of justice. Um, so yeah, already we're getting great reactions to galaxy quest. Um, Ithil, it's on my list to watch. Uh, yes, definitely need to watch yeah. it. Meeple bops. It's so bloody good. It's just fun. And it's yeah. got a really great cast in it as well. Yeah. Um, obviously Sigourney Weaver, Tim Allen, um, I think Sam Rockwell's in it as well. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, obviously various other actors, um, it, you know, it's just a fun film and right. it, it's become quite a cult classic as well. I'm not sure if I mentioned it on last week's episode of cult classics, but it was a, it's a damn good film, you know, and it has picked up a following and I actually read an article last week, um, you know what? I know it came up in the Cold Classics episode because straight after I saw an article where Tim Allen gave uh, some information about a sequel and I commented on the article saying, you know what? Some films just don't need a sequel. This is one of them. Yeah. Um, and uh, ultimately, without Alan Rickman, I don't think, you know, it's the same with it's the same if they wanted to go and do like another Oceans film. I mean, they've already lost two of the Oceans members, yeah. now, Bernie Back and Carl Rayner, you know, and you just you just don't do it. Sometimes you just go, do you know what? We've we've had our fun. Let's leave it there. 
Um, I hope they don't do a sequel because, quite frankly, I don't think I'd be awfully interested in it. Um, But Alan Rickman, for me, was the personal highlight of that film. He definitely, as a supporting cast member, stole the show in that film. Um, and that, that you know, was, was great. Um, so, yeah, to quote what Meeples just said, we hit gold, now don't try again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, Galaxy Quest. If you've not seen it, watch it. Yeah, I, I'd say watch it as well. Galaxy Quest is one of those funny, funny, funny sci-fi films that you don't get m- many these days, but when it came out in the... Yeah. It's a rare not... breed, isn't it? Yes, very rare. Uh, yeah, very... I think it was 98 or 99, perhaps, yeah. one around the late 90s. Um, you know, in, in, it's in the time when we're getting a lot of like Independence Day, and suddenly yeah. big and Star Wars obviously came back, and suddenly yeah. sci-fi is a big thing. Um, and and you know, like it's nice to have a film where it just kind of goes, yeah, we're just going to take the mick a little bit. And, and you know what? That was really refreshing. Yeah, it was. Um, okay, now this is going to go down well with some people. Love Actually. Ah, oh. Love Actually. Let's talk about Love Actually. Um, <laughs> Now, Love Actually is one of my all-time favourites. It isn't just a great Christmas film. Uh, it is it is great for its cast. But again, he is one of the highlights to the film for me. Not yes. for what he does. He's a bit of a, a bit of a dick in it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but he plays it so well. Yeah, he plays he it so, so well. He does. Um, he, you know, his story was was so heartbreaking. And Emma Thompson, you know, bless her cotton socks when she finds out what he's done. And, oh, my heart breaks every time. But he plays the part so well. I keep coming back to that because there's <laughs> nothing else for me to say. He is, oh, to quote Meeple Bops here, he is the lovable cheating husband. Yeah. Um, Emma, yes, yes, yes. Andrew, oh, such a dick. Um Yes, yay! Lots of lots of you know, um, lots of good comments coming through. Mm. Uh, the scene, the scene he does. Oh yeah, and yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, one thing I read interestingly that came from Richard Curtis, who made the film. He said that Ryan Atkinson obviously only appears twice in the film, and he is ultimately the Christmas angel. And every time he appears, it's because there is a method behind his madness. Obviously, with the kid at the end at the boarding gate. He delayed it so he could sneak past him to go and see the girl. And with Alan Rickman, the reason he was taking so long to fill up the bag was to deter him from making the purchase, uh, thus being the angel that prevented him from making a bad deed. And that has come from the director himself. So um, you know it to be some form of fact. Um, so yeah, when, when you watch the scene, if you hadn't already cottoned on to what was going on there, the reason Rowan Atkinson's character took so long was to try and put him off from making the purchase because he knew it wasn't cool. Um, so yes, there we go. Yeah. Really cool fact. That one. Thank you, Meeple. Uh, you know, <laughs> just this brain stores some interesting facts sometimes. Um, but yes, I mean, what a, what a good, what a good role. And do you know what, in a weird way, he was, he was a bit of a dick for what he did. Um, but he's also like, from the point of view of like his story with um, Laura Linney's character, the one mm. who was trying to hook up with the other guy, um, Carl, yes. um, uh, you know, he was a cool boss. He's the kind of guy in that film that I would like to have as a boss. You know, like if I worked, I don't, I can't remember what it was they did. I don't think they ever really made it specifically clear in the film. What they were doing. It was like an advertising agency or something like oh, that. Yeah. I think it was a cool, it was a cool swanky London office, uh, the kind of place we all want to work. But he's <laughs> the kind of boss that I would want. So yeah, he was a dick for what he did in his personal life, 
But, you know, on, on, on the surface, what he does in his personal life, I don't give two shits. If he's, a, if he's that kind of boss to me, then we're cool, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I, I loved him in that. And you know what? He is definitely, other than maybe Liam Neeson and maybe Bill Nighy, definitely the, the the highlight of that film i mean bill nye is fantastic in it but yeah alan rickman and also one of the things that i loved about it was that his chemistry with him and emma thompson him mm. and emma, him and emma thompson were the best of friends um one of the first one that he actually did with her he did sense and sensibility and another one with her he did the winter's guest um oh, yeah. he directed that was the 90s that was his first film so he he his first film that he directed was a film called uh the winter's guest which i have overlooked i apologize because i've not actually seen it um but he did that in 1997 and he did that with emma thompson um i believe anyway i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure i'm right on that one um and uh let me just check yeah, Emma Thompson. There we go. Um, he did a lot uh, with. Oh no, but you're right. It was Sense and Sensibility first. That came out in '95. Um, but they also did a uh, thing in uh, on the BBC. In I can't remember. Was it called? The, oh, here we are. The Song of Lunch, and it was literally um, this kind of um, monologue esque BBC drama that just featured um, uh, a reunion between, I think they were friends or a couple, uh, going out for lunch and catching up. Mm. And it was him and Emma Thompson. Um, and it was wonderful. It was, as, as yeah. someone who had watched Love Actually, I think six, seven years before, and then to see the pair of them get back together and do something different, oh my God, it was so good. Uh, so it's called yeah. the, Song of, the Song of Lunch, and it was a BBC... Um, BBC short TV series episode thing. Uh, if you can find it, I would highly, highly recommend it. Um, it was just lovely to watch him and Emma Thompson together again. Well, I think, I think if I know that a lot of people are commenting and probably going like, yeah, I agree with that. All yeah. That so yeah, Danny's just made a great point. It works so well with their story too, as Emma Thompson had just gone through that in her own life. Yep. She had just been cheated on. Um, I know for a fact that she confided. In fact, was it Kenneth Branagh? I think it, naughty, naughty. It was Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> uh, so Ken, Kenneth Branagh and Emma Thompson were together, and Kenneth Branagh cheated on Emma Thompson with Helena Bonham Carter. Um, I know it's all very, it's all very Harry Potter <laughs> incestuous going on here. Yeah, and, Emma, and then Emma Thompson confides in her best friend uh, Alan Rickman about it. Um, and uh, yeah, it's always a big. Yeah. Um, Gilroy Lockhart, what are you doing, <laughs> you bastard? Um, you know, so, uh, yeah, it must have uh, made Harry Potter very interesting. Um, yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. I think that's what we, I think we, when we say about Emma Thompson and um, Alan Rittman, is they're both in Harry Potter together. And I think that's the thing that we always... Do they ever share a scene together? No, I don't think they do. I don't think they do, which is... They may have, they may have been sat, sat in the Great Hall together, but I don't know yeah. if they ever actually properly shared this. I don't recall them sharing a scene together. No. So, yeah, they would, they did the Harry Potter series together. They did that BBC drama. They did Love Actually, Sense of Sensibility, and The Winter's Guest. Plus, there's probably something else they've done. They yeah. just did everything together, and I loved that. Yeah. I, lo I loved oh, I that. that. I know that Emma Thompson did a lot of stuff with Anthony Hopkins as well. Ah, yes. Yes, she did. Because they did Remains of the Day. 
Yes, they did. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Emma Thompson and, and Alan Rickman's relationship, you know, we couldn't do a podcast without mentioning that. So I'm glad I'm glad we have gone on to that. But yeah, love actually. Um, right. Next up, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> you like this film, don't you? Yes, I do. I think I think the thing about Hitchhikers is it's, it's funny. Again, we're, same with what I love about Galaxy Quest. It's one of those not is taking the Mickey sci-fi films and it has yeah. a good cast in it. It has like Martin Freeman, Alan Rittman. It's got Stephen Fry doing a voice of a whale that I uh, think the narrator. It's got such a huge. No, the whale, the whale falling through the sky is Bill Bailey. Is that Bill Bailey? I can't Bill Bailey, I swear, No, because it's like I tell you now, it's one of the only things I actually ever remembered about the film. I have seen it. I've seen it a few times, but yeah, uh, you know, you're you're right. It's a bit like Galaxy Quest, but um, yeah, it it. I'm sure the whale who's falling through the sky, Stephen Fry is narrating and yeah, he's talking narrating. about the whale. Yeah. And as the whale's falling through the sky, it's Bill Bailey yeah, doing the yeah, voice. Yeah. My God, it had me in. I, I, yeah. Bill Bailey is my favorite comedian. So for yeah, me, yeah. it just had me in stitches. Um, yeah, just, yeah. Pff, funny, funny, funny film. But yes, Alan mm. Rickman was the voice of Melvin. But he didn't. Play, he was only the voice because Warwick Davis actually played the physical yeah. embodiment of um, of Melvin, didn't he? Warwick yeah. Davis, local lad. Um, so yeah, a combination of Warwick Davis and Alan Rickman brought Melvin yes. to life. Another Harry Potter reference. Mm. What is it about all these bloody Hogwarts teachers? <laughs> now uh, we know what they did in their private time. Yeah, let me have a look quickly. Uh, Hitchhikers. But yes, no, I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed it. It was a good film. I do think I need to rewatch it though. Yeah. Um, so. um, Sam Rockwell again. Ah, uh, yes, Sam Rockwell. Yep, yep. Uh, yep. Chanel, uh, Warwick Davis, as we said, Richard Griffiths, another Harry Potter. Oh yeah, it was yeah it, British film though, isn't it? You know, British film. Yeah. A lot, you get a lot Helen Mirren, Bill yeah. Nye. Oh yes, of course, Bill Nye. Yeah, Bill Nye also in Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, so. There we go, Hitchhikers. Okay, now let's move on. Uh, oh, yeah, Martin Freeman, of course. Martin Freeman. Yep, Martin. Um, let's move on to another one. Um, Alice in Wonderland. Now, yeah. this is this is one of those films where I think it's fair to say he was a bit like... It feels like every time he's in a Tim Burton film, he doesn't go in it with the intention of being the main star. Because no. uh, I know he was only the voice of the... Um, the cast wasn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, uh, that's it. But didn't you know it was him? Oh, yeah, you did. You did. One of those nice roles where he was used for his voice. Mm. Uh, properly used for his voice. Um, yeah. Alice in Wonderland is definitely one of my favourite uh, yeah, Tim Burton so films, nice. to be fair. Um, you meant, I believe you, you brought that up on podcast last week, didn't you? Yes. Um, yeah. yeah it was, uh, it was it's a good film it's a good film mm. um, what i love about alice in wonderland as well is the fact is obviously they brought in a lot of people in that film you can sit there and go you recognize the voice oh my know? god yeah and you know, i think it's one of those Carter, um i think they brought timothy swall the dog um christopher and, lee was the dragon yeah uh, and Hathaway as well it was just such oh, a yeah. good cast for such a and great also, Crispin Glover. Yes, he was. Uh, he was the he was um Helen Boyle and Carter's right hand man, which I can never Swain? Something like that. I can't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember. Um but yeah, so um we've got 
we've got that. Um, what else? What else? Uh, our comments have gone very quiet suddenly. Uh, we've 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 tackled uh, we've tackled uh, Alice in Wonderland, and no one's mentioned it. I'm I'm surprised. So, oh dear, maybe we've lost our we've lost our loyal followers. Um, but yes, uh, yeah, no, Alice in Wonderland, great film, but again, not a film that. Um, Oh, they're still here. That's good. Uh, not a film that um, you know. I think Alan Rickman was necessarily directly known for because yeah. he played a small role in it, and even then, he um, uh, he he was only the voice. So, okay, now this is the this sad bit where we kind of get into the later part of Rickman's career. Um, mm. He obviously only did a few films um, post two thousand and eleven, two thousand and twelve. Um, he, um, he did, I watched this last night for the, I don't think it was the first time I've seen it. It might, I might've seen it before, but I don't remember much about it. He did a film, um, called The Butler, uh, with Forrest yes. Whitaker. Yes. Um, and now this very, film. Very dominant film. It was a, it was oh, one of those yeah. films that you, it was quite, um, I would say it was obsessing, but then you also got that quite nice fondness on it. Yeah, it was a lot. You know, it follows ultimately Forrest Whitaker as a, as a butler at the White House through mm. um, his his ultimately his career, his life and career um, from being a a kid working in a cotton plantation uh, in the twenties through to uh, his life uh, seeing Barack Obama get um elected president which obviously for a lad who who grew up a slave um and to see a, a black man become the president of the united states of america you know and it was a really heartwarming story oh. and forrest whisker's a fantastic actor but through yeah, through his journey through his journey in the white house he came across many many different presidents and i think he must have served under at least 10 presidents in the end and, and one of those presidents was ronald reagan and it was actually Ronald Reagan who he was working with when he handed in his resignation. So, and Alan Rickman, very well, I would like to add. Yeah. Alan Rickman. Alan, I mean, I, 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 there is a film coming out soon about Ronald Reagan and, um, oh, I've forgotten his bloody name. Dennis Quaid yes. is playing him. He looks nothing like him. Right. And I'm watching, I'm watching The Butler last night thinking, good Lord, Alan, I actually couldn't tell to begin with it was Alan Rickman <laughs> because he had his hair. He had Snape hair. But yeah. it was like Ronald Reagan's Snape hair. Um, and he, it was one of the very few films with Alan Rickman where he puts on an American accent. Um, and you don't initially think it's him. Um, and it was really, really sweet because th for me personally, you know, I have to say, I loved the fact that the first president that, he, the, that Forrest Whitaker served under was Robin Williams, yes. uh, who I believe was Eisenhower. Yes, um, and then the last president he served under was Ronald Reagan, played by Alan Rickman. So you start the film with Robin Williams and you end it with Alan Rickman. And it got me a little bit emotional. I'm not ashamed yeah. to admit, you know, yeah. seeing these two incredible actors that I both I, I adore both of them yeah. uh, in a film together. Um, you know, it's small roles, but they nailed the roles they had. And mm. I really loved that. Um you also had uh, James Marsden, obviously Cyclops uh, from the X-Men films, playing JFK. Um, you had Lee Schreiber playing um, uh, Johnson, uh, yeah. Lyndon Johnson. Um, you had, you know, quite a few famous actors playing yeah. small roles in it. But, yeah, I have to say, um, Alan Rickman... Yeah, another really great cast for uh, 
one of those films that you ensemble, a big ensemble cast yeah that's the thing about butler though not many people have heard of it it was one of those films that weren't was under the radar i think i think it was oscar oh, it's yeah. gonna sound awful I, it was kind of one of those films that you could tell it was made to try and win a load of oscars yeah that sounds terrible because it is a really good film and I do highly recommend mm. it, but it was it was what you would call Oscar bait. Yeah. It was like, let's make a film that we know is going to have a big cast with a load of actors playing small roles about something that's really emotional and really meaningful, and yes, it ticked all those boxes, but I think ultimately it was made to be shoved under the noses of the Oscar voters. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know whether it did well at the Oscars or not, but ultimately it's a very good film and I highly recommend it. Yeah. Um, so that moves us on to a film, the the film that I am almost finished watching that I was just watching before we started this podcast called A Little Chaos, which is the second film that he directed and it's starring him and Kate Winslet um, and, and Stanley Tucci as well. Um, and it was set, um, oh, I couldn't tell you when it was set, but basically he played, it was set in France and he played the king, Alan Rickman played the king. And when I was watching it, I was kind of watching it thinking, where's this film going? <laughs> I kind of, kind of went in watching, kind of like thinking, um, you know, where, you know, ultimately, where's where's this going? Uh, he played um, he played Louis the Fourteenth of France, um, and basically the whole film is about Louis the Fourteenth's obsession with his gardens. He loved exquisite grand gardens and Kate Winslet is an architect of a garden and it's the story simply of that it's not the most enamoring film in the world and you know what I'm sure when Alan Rickman made it he didn't expect it to be either but there is a wonderful scene between him and Kate Winslet in a garden where he just needs to get away for a day and he goes and sits in one of his gardens Kate Winslet's currently working on it and she walks in and she doesn't know he's the king and he sits there and he's not got his wig on. So you can't tell, you know, she doesn't recognize him. And she's like, oh, she mistaken him for another gardener. And she's chatting away to him like he's just Joe Bloggs. And um, and he plays along with it. And it is such a wonderful, wonderful scene between him and Kate Winslet. And, how, and you know, again, I don't, Alan Rickman isn't in the film an awful lot. But when he is, he is he steals the show um, mm. and, and he, seeing him and Kate Winslet, who is one of my all time favorite actors working together um, is a real, real treat. Um, so if you want to watch something a little bit more low key and a little bit different, a little chaos uh, with Alan Rickman, Kate Winslet directed and written by Alan Rickman. Um, highly recommend, highly recommend. Very interesting. Uh, there was flying fishers just advised she landscapes the gardens of Versailles. So there you go. Um, okay. The last film um, that we have on the list is his is actually his last film, um, which is, makes me a bit sad saying, actually. But it's The Eye in the Sky. Yes. That he did with Helen Mirren um, in 2015. Um, and he is, again, one of those low, low budget, but very wonderful i say wonderful it wasn't really a wonderful film it was very emotionally scarring film but he works as part of the british government british intelligence um and it's about whether they do a drone strike on um a set of terrorists um and you know it was a low-key role for him and you know i don't think he knew he was unwell at this point um but it, it kind of feels a bit poetic that he one of his last roles is quite a role where he he doesn't have to do an awful lot but he gets to display what a wonderful actor he really was yeah um 
so yeah, good film. Again, a film where I feel like Helen Mirren is the highlight of the film, if I'm perfectly honest. She absolutely was fantastic in it. Yeah. Um, and, and and don't get me wrong, Alan Rickman was as well. But yeah, it was one of those films where he had a supporting role. And I think he was quite comfortable in that supporting role. Yeah. Um, I know he came back and did the voice of uh, the Caterpillar one more time in the sequel to yes. Alice in Wonderland. Sequel um, wasn't great, though. I was no, in the sequel, sequel was very, very crap, to be honest. Um and yeah, and 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 then obviously, you know, unfortunately, we lost him in uh, well January of two thousand and sixteen. So five mm. five years ago last week, which is what brought on this podcast. Yes, obviously, when when it came up in conversation last week, uh, a few people said that we should do this. So here we are doing this, you know. And and ultimately, you know, I think he will be an actor that will live on. Um, uh, uh, not just for Harry Potter, but for for everything he's done. He's such a pleasant, and that's the best word I can think to use off the top of my head. Such a pleasant actor to watch, yes. to listen to, and you know, I bet you any money he has inspired many, many people um, across around the world, across the country, around the world. You know, to want to be actors yeah. because of the way he does what he does. Um, and that's really a wonderful thing about him. Um, but yeah, he, you know, he he will be missed. He will be missed. I'm very sad to see that he won't be uh, doing any more films. But, you know, that is that is the way it is. Um, In 2016, we lost quite a few people, actually. Well, him and him and David Bowie were four days yeah. apart, weren't they? So, um, I got um, really Lee in that year as well. Uh, Chris, oh, Chris, was Christopher Lee 2016? Might have been. I know what we lost someone. Someone quite. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's not focus on that. Yeah. Um, but yes. Um, to name a few things that um, Alan Rickman did in theatre, um, mm. he did. Uh, he did Sherlock Holmes. Yes. Um, he did Sherlock Holmes. He uh, did. Uh, I'm just having a look through what else he's done. He did Hamlet. He also did. Oh, okay, that's interesting. So, the Winter's Guest. He actually also did in the West End, and he directed it as well. Um, so, yeah, it's really interesting. And he was doing theatre up until 2012. My God, I would have loved. I would have paid. <laughs> I would have cut off my arms to have seen him on Broadway or West End. You know what an experience that would have been. Um, but yeah, you know, crying shame. I don't believe he ever won an Oscar, did he? No, he didn't. No, no, he should have. It's, you know, quite a few roles I can think of that he should have probably at least won an Oscar for. Um, but he did get a BAFTA. He yes. did get a BAFTA for Robin uh, Robin Hood. Um, yes, the supporting role there. So, um, yeah. So that's that's ultimately it. That's our little tribute to you know the the incredible, the wonderful, and the legendary Alan Rickman. Um, so yeah, does does are there any films to our, our our listeners and our watchers, live watchers? I should say because this is the only way I'm going to get an answer. Are there any films that we've not tapped into that you wish we had? Um, because now is the time to mention it. Um, but uh, yeah, if not, then I think you know we we we've had a nice a nice mm. little chat about him, and that's really lovely. Um, but yes, uh, so. The wonderful, the wonderful Alan Rickman. May he rest in peace. Mm. Um, but yes, here's a question for you then, Corey. If yep. you could have seen him do any film, any film that you have seen, 
or a dream role that you would rather have seen him play instead of another actor, what would it have been? Oh. And to our current watchers, um, if you're watching this right now, if you could have seen Alan Rickman be in any film, series, individual, uh, whatever, um, what would it have been? I'm curious. Honestly, for me, I wouldn't mind him seeing him as like a James Bond villain. I think oh, good, good James Bond. Uh, like a sinister British Bond villain. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been really cool. Um, that's a really yeah, I like that. Uh, whilst whilst people are having a think, um, Andrew has just shared a wonderful quote from him. I do take my work seriously, and the way to do that is not to take yourself too seriously. What a wonderful quote! I think a lot yeah. of people should take Steve with that. Um, so yes, um, do you have listeners? Do you have a film series franchise? Uh, a one-off film that you've watched that you think, you know what, I would love to have seen him play that role. Um, Megan has just said, Dr. Evil would have been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Evil, yes, that would have been a funny one to have seen. Um, I, I agree with you there. Life with James has said, maybe King Henry VIII, if he's ever been... Uh, yes, Um yeah, I mean, obviously, um, yeah, I, I agree with you, James. Picturing him as a Tudor uh, of some description would definitely be, he's got that period drama, uh, historic, authentic feel about him, uh, which obviously, as he plays Louis XIV in um, in the film he directed. Um, uh, what else? Um Ithil says, since he did Sherlock on stage, perhaps in the films as well, I think he would have made a cracking Moriarty. Yeah, I'm he would put have. that out there right now. Uh, Moriarty would have been a great film, for, uh, film, sorry, character for him to play. Yeah. Um, Emma, not a film, film, but a series, of course. Series that would equally as welcome. I think he would have been good in Game of Thrones. Yes, that's an interesting one. I'm not sure... Not sure. I think he would have made an interesting, like Lannister type character, perhaps. I'm not sure, but yes, I would like to have seen him in something like Game of Thrones. Um, oh my god, all the click, I keep clicking wrong <laughs> comments. Um, as a Bolton, yes, a Bolton could or, or a Lannister, yes, I agree. Um, yes, Meeple Bops, you took the words out of my mouth. Uh, Three Musketeers, yeah. I app, do you know what? I could see him as a Cardinal Richelieu, um, yeah. you know, like you know manipulating the king uh trying to get his own way he would have you know but equally would have liked to have seen him as one of the three musketeers as well yeah i think alan rickman could have played anybody in the musketeers yeah. story um andrew says merlin even though it's another wizard i think his dry humor would have worked uh that's merlin the bbc tv series i have not seen it but Corey, i believe you have what yes I, I have seen it oh, i do love it yeah, do you think Alan Rickman could have fit in nicely in that? Mm, I think if, honestly, if John Hurt didn't do the dragon, I think he could have done the voice of the dragon quite well. Interesting, I didn't know John Hurt was in it. Yes, John Hurt does the dragon. Of, oh, nice. Of nice, uh, nice. Um, I wouldn't put him, because he, he has that kind of voice, again, with a voiceover, I think he'll be quite very good for that. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of um, something else. I'm trying Let me know. 
I think I would like to have seen him work with like, you know, a director a bit more like someone like Christopher Nolan or Quentin Tarantino, mm. really push him to his limits, put him in a role where he probably would have been a fish out of water. But yeah. I think he would have nailed it no matter what. Um, Martin says, imagine if he was in a Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> movie. Now, yeah. I funnily enough, because Jeremy Irons was in the Dungeons and Dragons yes, in 1998. And Jeremy Irons is, again, one of my favourite actors. But obviously Jeremy Irons and Alan Rickman played brothers in the Die Hard series. Yeah. Um, so you obviously had Hans Gruber's brother in Die Hard with a Vengeance was played by Jeremy Irons. And because they've got quite both got not necessarily similar, but iconic voices. Um, and that ties into what Flying Fish has just said. Oh, my God. Alan Rickman as Scar. I mean, that's an interesting one. That's an interesting one. I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, that's, that's that's yeah. That's an that I I would I would like to have seen that as an option. Yeah. You know? option but i'm not sure i'm not really not sure on that one uh but yes uh alan rickman as scar alan rickman really just doing the voice in any disney film um, yeah quite other other than obviously alice in wonderland uh, yeah. but in like a proper disney film that would have been cool um but yes um okay um uh life with james says i mean not that jeremy irons isn't the scar i agree and with all the greatest of respect to Chiwetel Ejiofor, he did not do the role justice in the remake. Flying Fish, Jafar, Alan Rickman as Jafar. Oh, I think she's Ooh. hit. Good point there. Yeah, Alan yeah. Rickman playing Jafar. I like that. That's definitely yeah. a role I could have seen him do. I mean, I'm looking at my film collection right now, and I'm, I'm I can see him doing so many films. You yeah. know. Like, I think he it's fair to say he was very selective with his roles. He had yeah. he didn't go into a role without knowing that he could have fun with it. And I admire that about him. Like as to quote the quote that he said that Andrew shared uh, a few minutes ago, don't take yourself too seriously. Because I guess the point of that is you won't have fun otherwise. No. I would like to there's I know this this is again saying about uh, comfort zone. Him and like a disaster movie would be quite would have been quite an interesting one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, disaster films are always good. He would have been good in one of them. Um, like, I'm again, or something very similar to that kind you, of... Here's a question. Do you think, had he still been with us today, he would have joined a Marvel film by now? Yes. I think I think he would have... If, if he was still here today, he would have played a very good Doctor Doom because of his voice. Ah, that's a good shout, Doctor Doom. Or Galactus, because he is huge and... Hearing that voice with Galactus, that just give me shivers down back straight away. Yeah, yeah. Andrew, twenty twenty, the movie. Yes, well, if only. Well, uh, no, twenty, the movie. That's death to twenty twenty on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would have liked him potent in potentially solo. His humor. Ah, oh, Star Wars. Yes, yes yeah, yeah. That's good. I agree with you there, Emma. Um, I would have liked to have seen him in another rom com, just because of how charming and lovable. I agree with you there, Emma. Mm. Uh, Grace, hi Grace. Uh, him as Mr. Darcy in Pride and Prejudice. I agree with you there. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Colin Firth made that role very, very famous. But do you know what? I think Alan Rickman had the charm to pull that role off very well. Mm. Uh, and obviously, you know, with him doing things like Sense and Sensibility and, and, and bits like that, you know, he, yeah, I agree. Uh, that's a that's a good shout there. Um, 
I think I think he was one of those actors that was so versatile he could have popped up in anything. Yeah, um, definitely got a period feel to him. You know, yeah. uh, things like Pride and Prejudice, Three Musketeers. Um, so what I would have liked to see, what I would have liked to see, is him in a western. Him in a western. I, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, he would have. Do you know what? I see him as like the local sheriff who oh, keeps law and order in a calm and collected manner. But ultimately, if you mess with him, he won't hesitate in shooting the shit out of you. Yeah. Like, that, oh, that is Alan Rickman all over. It yeah. really is. Um, yeah. Well, interestingly, there is a book coming out in 2022 for those of you that may be interested. And it is the diaries of Alan Rickman. He um, he, he kept diaries from his early uh, early days in acting when he first started acting, and just before he kept uh, very intense diaries right up until his last moments. And these are being published as a book in 2022. Um, so perhaps if this podcast is still going in 2022, we'll do a follow up. We'll do a follow up to the Alan Rickman podcast uh, based okay. on. With with his contributions to his mm. roles based on his diaries, that will be really interesting, I think, to see. So um, there we go. Right, let's wrap today's podcast up there. Um, so um, let's let's yeah let's yeah. So Corey, thank you yeah. for joining. No, no, no. I appreciate that. Um, it's yeah, been wonderful yeah. talking to you. Uh, next week, I will be back at seven o'clock with my special guest Amelia. And we will be discussing comedies, comedies from all different types of uh, parts of the world, British comedies, American comedies, all sorts of comedies. Um, it's, a, it's a genre that, that I have never really tackled much before from a podcast point of view, and now we will be. So, yes, comedies next Friday, 7 o'clock. Um, and, of course, a wonderful new guest. Um, if you haven't already, please follow um, Nobody Pots Podcast in a Corner on social media, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and so on. Uh, it's exhausting, I know, but I'm trying to build an empire here. Um, so, yes, we'll be back. And, of course, if you have been watching um, and you want to be on this season of Nobody Pots Podcast in a Corner, all you need to do is drop me a message with a particular uh, idea of... Uh, uh, of a of a theme of a subject of a topic that you wish to discuss uh and um we will we will discuss it you are always welcome um meeple bops okay palpatine calm down how about you calm down meeple bops i will say whatever empire-esque quotes i want thank you blah 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 blah, blah. uh so um yeah no uh thank you Corey, for joining thank you all for watching and listening and commenting and questioning and goodness knows what else and we will be back seven o'clock next friday for our comedies podcast until then stay safe thank you enjoy the rest of your weekend and see you all very soon Bye-bye. See you later.